0: We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. And he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stuart. Well, I've entitled the sermon this morning, You Are the Target of Hate. One of the things that I love doing in my life... When I have free time, what is that, right? Well, I like to shoot my guns. So whether that be skeet shooting and somebody's throwing clay pigeons and I'm shooting them, or that be in the indoor range where I'm able to do some target practice and engage my target at different distances. Nevertheless, I love marksmanship. Now, I don't know anything about marksmanship in regards to real genuine combat experiences outside of our Milsim experiences in which we have three, four hundred men shooting each other with aerosol guns. But in my recent conversation with my dear friend Jaron Jackson, he began began to give me some insight into what combat marksmanship looked like. And one of the things that Jaron said is that when you're engaging a real enemy, the first rule of marksmanship is to engage the closest target. And as I thought about this, I was reminded that every single one of us need to understand this morning that the enemy understands the rules of marksmanship. And because he understands the rule of marksmanship, if you are one who is born again, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection, then you, I promise, will be the target of hatred. It isn't a matter of if you will be engaged by the enemy, but a matter, my friends, of when. It's a promise that Jesus Christ has told us that the enemy will engage you because you follow Him. Turn with me today to John chapter 15. We are continuing our study there. And I want us to see and understand the promises that Jesus Christ gives us here in this passage of John chapter 15, verse 18. And we're going to look all the way to chapter 6, verse 4. And so let's begin. if the world hates you, no, it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. But if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had come, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But this happened to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. Verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will bear witness also, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, Verse 1 of chapter 6, so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering services to God. These things they will do because they do not know the Father or me but these things have spoken to you so that when, the, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Three things I want us to observe from this portion of Scripture this day and that I think will be helpful for us. The first thing I would like for you to notice is the reason for the hate. Secondly, the rejection of the haters... And thirdly, the responsibility of the hated. I would like for us to first consider the reality that persecution, hatred for Christians, is not some new topic. It's not something that's just come about in 2022. No, this is something that has come about for many, many years. A matter of fact, that the heartbeat and the birth of persecution came from Saul of Tarsus. When he ravished the church... The most well-known act of Saul was the stoning of Stephen. You recall, they approved the stoning of Stephen and they laid their coats at a man by the name of Saul. Interestingly enough, though, when Saul had his experience on the road to Damascus and God appeared to him, Christ appeared to him, and He was saved on the road to Damascus. He became next the one who was persecuted. He became the target of hatred with cruelties and hostility and being flogged and lashed and beaten and stoned to death, stoned and left for dead. Until finally he was executed under Nero in Rome. Nero's cruelties included dipping Christians in oil and lighting them as candles to illuminate his sporting festivities. Persecution of Christians started a long time ago. You have the early Christian persecutions that began with Nero, but that was the only start. If you really want to dig into this, get the, uh, the Book of Martyrs by John Fox begin to read of the faithful men who stood for the sake of Christ, the women who stood for the sake of Christ and gave up their lives. You'll learn of faithful men who have given their lives to Christ and become targets of hatred, men like John Wycliffe who was in prison for 12 years and yet still afterwards in six months wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Men like William Tyndale who translated the Bible from Latin to English so that the common man could read it. The Catholic Church thought it was not appropriate for the common man to read the Word of God. But William Tyndale, in one of his debates against the Catholic priest, said this, If God spares my life for many years, I will cause a boy that drives the plow to know more of the Scriptures than you do. He was molested by a priest but he still set out to translate the Bible and exported printed copies of the New Testament in English and later completed the whole New Testament until he was incarcerated, later strangled to death and burnt to ashes. But not before he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. This was fulfilled when Henry VIII ordered Miles Coverdale's Bible based on William Tyndale's Bible to be used in every parish in the land. You remember Bloody Mary? Why was she called that? Queen Mary was called that because during the last four years of her reign between 1555 and 1558, 288 Protestants were burnt for adhering to the Word of God. Puritans were harassed. Men like John Bunyan. You have John Flavel from 1627 to 1691, one of the 2,000 Puritan ministers that were ripped from their pulpits and suffered the great ejection following the Acts of Uniformity in 1662 in which they had to secretly go into the woods to minister to their congregation you have men like Polycarp who said, How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? He said, You threaten me with fire that burns for a season and after a little while is quenched, but you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is prepared for the wicked. Polycarp was burned at the stake and pierced with spears refusing to burn incense to the emperor of Rome. On his farewell speech, he said, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. John Huss, Keswick priest, burned at the stake for heresy against doctrines of the Catholic Church, for which he was accused falsely. Though he was killed, he refused to recant his positions and charges were brought against him. He said, God is my witness to things they charged against me. I never preached. Then the same truth of the gospel which I have written, which I have taught, which I have preached, drawing upon the sayings and positions of holy doctors, I am ready to die today. Martyr after martyr after martyr. I can go on the whole service after martyr after martyr who have given their lives for the sake of Christ. I want you to understand, persecution and being hated for the sake of Christ is not something new. We don't know what it looks like is the problem. You see, as long as Jesus was here on the earth, in flesh, He was the target of hatred. He was the point of contention. But when He willingly, sufficiently, and obediently went to the cross, He was crucified on our behalf. You have now become the target of hatred. So let us acknowledge first the fact that we see the reason for this hatred. Why? John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, no, it has hated me before it hated you. Here we learn of the reality that if they are going to, if you and I and anyone who's going to associate with the Savior of the world, you, by way of association, will inherit hatred from the world because they hated Christ first. Jesus is speaking here of the world. He's talking about an evil system for which you and I live in. This this world is not our home as believers and followers of Christ. Now we try to make it our home and we try to get cozy and comfortable, but the reality is this is not our home. God has given Christ... Authority over all things, but in this world, God has given Satan the ability to control things. Jesus said in John fourteen thirty, I will not speak much more with you for the what? The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing to do with me. Satan is also called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. He is the ruler of this world in John chapter 12, verse 31. These titles, listen, signify Satan's powerful capability. But you know what? We don't talk about the devil, do we? We don't talk about the reality of Satan and hell, that it's a place of pure wrath and torment and justice of Almighty God. Because you know why it doesn't fill seats. But let me remind you, just equally as God is righteous and holy and gracious and merciful, He is a God of perfection and holiness and He will come back one day and pour out His wrath on humanity. We can't get away from that. To say, for example, that Satan is the prince of the power to err, listen, is to signify that in some way he rules over the world and the people in it. Now, while we certainly know that it is true that God has only allotted to him that authority for a season, he can call his loan soon. Nevertheless, he has authority over this wicked world. God yet is still sovereign, and when the Bible says that God has given Satan the power over. The world, we must be reminded that he has not given them, him power over the believer. Colossians 1.13 reminds us of this reality that the unbelievers are the ones who are ruled by the devil. He says, who, speaking of the world, he says, the world whom rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son, his beloved one the Son of His love. On the other hand, believers are entrapped in the devil's snare. 2 Timothy 2.26 reminds us to correct with gentleness so that what? They may come to their senses and in what? Escape the snares of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. They are in bondage to Satan. Listen, the first reason that you are the target of hate is because they first hated Jesus Christ. And if they hate Jesus Christ, they will certainly hate you. They hated Christ. Why? Because he saved souls. They they hated Christ. Why? Because he raised the dead back to life. They hated Christ. Why? Because he made the blind see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. No. John 7, 7 says they hated Him because I bear witness about it that His deeds are evil. And so in 1 John 3, 13, He says, do not marvel, brothers, if the world hates you. If they first hated Christ, and they did, then He came to His own, and His own received Him not. If you remember in in John 1, you will certainly be the target of hate. And so this morning, if you're here and you're experiencing that, understand it's biblical. Well, what are we supposed to do about persecution? Learn to live with it. In this world, you will have tribulations. But take notice, I've overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. John 15 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. The reason that they hate you is because you are chosen out of this world. You don't belong to this world. This isn't your home. The world system refers to this system ruled by Satan. And we can be readily... Uh, understand why Jesus Christ claims that when He says that we believers are no longer of this world, that we are no longer ruled by sin, that we are no longer bound by the prince of the power of the air, because you are being changed to the image of Christ. It causes our interest when we believe in Jesus Christ and are in the world, but not of the world, to become less and less concerned with the things of the world and more and more concerned with the future residents for where we are going. They hate you because you are not one of them. They hate you because you do not buy into their methodologies. They hate you because you do not expect, accept their pagan lifestyles. They hate you because you are, my friend, a foreigner. Now here's the beauty of this. Christ says what? Love your enemies. When your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. What we need to learn to do is not to attack lost people. And understand they are blind. They are under the bondage of Satan. We don't hate homosexuals. Whoever came up with that idea? We simply don't want them to go to hell. And the Bible says homosexuals not inherit the kingdom of God. What am I supposed to do with that? If I believe the Bible to be true and I do every word, then how friendly would it be to pat them on the back and say, it's okay. Drink that poison. It's all right. It won't kill you. It won't hurt me if you drink it. Listen, it's a deception. We, We don't hate people because they're idolaters and they worship The material things of the world, but we tell them, what what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? We don't hate them, we love them. We just believe the Bible to be true. And we don't want people to go to hell. And if they do to go to hell, they ought to go to hell with you clenched to their knees, begging them to repent of their sin and believe the gospel. The reason they hate you is because you're a foreigner. At least you should be. We are reminded of this truth very clearly in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is what? Not in him. You have been chosen by God and you are a future resident of the kingdom of God. You are saved now in the present tense. He who has the Son has eternal life. But there is a future place for which John, Jesus says in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it of myself that where I'm there, you may be also. So there is that hope of that future heaven. But there is the reality that when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, he seals you in the Holy Spirit. You become a child of God. And in that moment, you are living for eternity and your future residence is in eternity with Christ. So don't love the things of the world. Because if you love the things of the world, it proves to you that you have not the love of God in you. So here's a good question for all of us. Are we seeking the things of this world or are we seeking the things above? I'm not saying you can't enjoy life. But there is a difference in enjoying it and advocating your responsibility and honoring God, many people this morning will be out on the rivers fishing this morning. They'll be out there on the golf course this morning. They'll be playing pity patty with whatever they're doing. And the reality is it's is the Lord's day. Because it's not a priority. God is not a priority in our country. It's not. He is not a priority in our day and age. We do not have a high view of God. Do we fail to realize the God of the universe who created us wants us to fellowship with one another on the Lord's day and to worship Him and to sing praises and to give of our tithes and to hear the preaching of God's Word and encourage one another and pray with one another and build one another up and eat with one another? That's what God wants for you and for me. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. (laughs) But the reality is, is there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people who are not here. Because Christ and the body of Christ are not their priority. You might fool the world, my friend. But your actions speak so loudly I can't hear a word you're saying. We need to get real. Because this is a real deal. This is eternal stuff. This is real, eternal problems that we deal with in our day. God isn't important. Our money, our finances, our health, all of those other things are good. Well, I can't go to church. I might get to know, no. Really? But you can go to a restaurant? Wear your mask into the restaurant? Sit down at the table and take it off? That's like peeing in this side of the pool and saying it's okay to swim here. The reality is, is we have to wake up and start using our logic. God is who God is. I think we have a great concern. He says here in John fifteen nineteen, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, I've chose you out of the world because of this world, the world hates you. I think we have good concern here as well for all of us to come to grips with the reality that if we are loved by the majority of people, and there's more going down than there's going up, that's great concern for us. Because the Scripture is very clear that if the world loves you, and no one hates you, and everybody's your best friend, it means you're either hanging out with a bunch of Christians and never evangelizing, or you have not the love of God in you. Or if you have the love of God in you, you're not speaking about Christ you're just talking about sports and about all these other things and you're not really getting down to the nitty gritty. Don't miss the fact that the only reason that we are not part of this world is is because we've been chosen out of the world. The reason we don't love the world is because God has chosen us. We don't participate in the things of this world. It's not your deeds that have saved you. Not your efforts that you do. You're following the law. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith in this. What? Not of yourself. But it is a free gift of God. Galatians 2.21 says, If you could be saved by keeping the law, the law in reference to the Old Testament, then Christ died needlessly. Just follow the law. You can't. It's impossible. The law is here to condemn you, to show you you can't do it. And if that's not enough proof, look at Titus 3.5. But when the kindness and patience of God, He saved us not based on the deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. So the reality is as God has chosen us out of this world. And all that the Father has given, listen, none will be lost. This strikes out your ability and my ability to say, look at me how good I am. I can work my way to the kingdom of God. No, 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 no. Listen, we live in a day when we give participation trophies for kids who got last place. That ain't the world I grew up in. Second place, you were the first loser, my friend. You didn't get nothing. If you could earn your way to heaven, you'd have a medallion around your neck. And many people do, and it's a cross. And they think because they wear that cross, they, that Jesus is going to protect them and that they don't need to believe the gospel. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, that's idolatry. We are not marked by what we wear. We are marked by how we behave. By what we say, by what we do, by the love we have for one another. So if you're in love with the things of this world, then there may be very solid proof that Christ is not in you and you are not in Christ. Because if the world hated Christ, and they did, He promises you that they will hate you. So some will ask, well, I think I can live in this world and not be offensive to people. And just kind of blend in and become all things to all men that I might win some for Christ and never be offensive. Listen, that is not biblical. Why? Because the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's offensive. You know why I know it's offensive? Go read the book of Martyrs. I'll tell you why it's offensive. Because they will kill you. They will kill you because you tell them what is right from the Scripture. And they don't want to submit to God. Why? Because they are their lower case, case own G God. And they will make the decisions for their life. So when we think we can live in a world and not be persecuted and share the love of God with people, it's certainly untrue. Listen to what he says in verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. There's the clarification. You will be persecuted. If they persecuted Christ, they will persecute you, and they did, and thus they will. In your life, you are the target of hatred. He is simply bringing to your remembrance what he's already said in John thirteen sixteen. It's a promise, my friend, that he says you will be persecuted. There, Listen, there will be those who will exemplify evil and they will follow in the footsteps of Satan, the devil. There's nothing we can do about it. The Bible says there's more going to hell than there's going to heaven. So therefore, the majority will go down while the minority will go to heaven. So the reality is is there will be many who will exemplify evil deeds and follow in the footsteps of the enemy, the liar, Satan. Which equals rebellion against Jesus Christ and the rebellion against you. And your message about Jesus Christ and the thing of God, they don't like. But equally so, here's the po- that's a negative side, but here's the positive side. There will also be those who, when you share the hope of Jesus Christ, they will respond and they will believe the gospel. And they will hear and they will be saved. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to preach the Bible, tell people about Jesus Christ, Present the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow God the Father to touch their hearts. And thus Jesus says, not only negatively they will hate you, but positively, so to speak. He says, if they keep my word, they will keep yours also. So in the negative, we have a positive which grants us hope and desires and abilities to go into the highways and byways and into the world and tell them about Jesus. There needs to be An enduring of hate while we speak the truth of the gospel. Our faithfulness to the gospel should permeate this world. It should be preeminent in the life of the Christian. Is the gospel preeminent in your life? If statistics are right, 80-90% to of Christians have never shared their faith from start to finish. How would they know if we don't tell them, folks? You say, well, I don't know how. Well, every Friday at 9 a.m. on Getting in the Word, I share the gospel. If you want to learn how to share the gospel, tune in and let's do it. Because we're seeing people put their faith in Jesus Christ every week. We had five people put their faith in Christ Friday. Every week, people are stepping into the kingdom of God. We got to be faithful. Even if you just read a book to them. You're not saving them. You're just telling them and God is saving them. So there's more going to reject, right? We may have a hundred people in the chat room and five people receive Christ. That's a great number. If there's more going down and there's going up, then it's always going to be the minority. So the reality is, is we need to be faithful to gospel ministry. It should be the unifying reality for that which we as believers and followers of Christ have in common, gospel ministry. And some of you are partners in that. Some of you give financially to the church and that's a part of helping buy the equipment to do the online things. Maybe God hasn't gifted you with the gift of evangelism, but maybe you're serving in some capacity and doing something which helps the proclamation of the gospel. But nevertheless, we, we need to know, even though we're not gifted with the gift of evangelism, everybody, we're called to share the gospel. I, I'm not gifted with the gift of mercy. But my wife tells me I need to be merciful. God tells me I need to be merciful. That's a reality. We need to be faithful in preaching the gospel. I Listen, I love telling people about Jesus. I love talking about facts about Jesus. I love to quote Scripture from the Bible. I love to post Scripture from the Bible. I love doing all those things. I, uh, but, but, but listen, we must call people to repent and believe the gospel. We, we must do that now. And by God's grace... They will continue to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and begin to walk in ways that they keep the Word of God. Sanctified, growing in their relationship with Christ. Yes, there will be many who will reject and rebel against the things of God, but when we are faithful to the proclamation of the good news, the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be certain that this is theirs or those that will reject. There will be some. Whom the the, the fields are ripe for harvest, my friends. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Speak. Use your abilities that God has given you to share the hope of Christ. But nevertheless, we will certainly be the target of hate. And thus you will encounter various trials. But Jesus reminds us that that's going to be the case. James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and so let endurance have it. perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. We will encounter various trials. We will encounter various levels of persecution. Maybe you won't be a martyr for Christ. But if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then you, my friend, are in the crosshairs of hatred from the world from which you do not belong. John 15, 21, But all these things they do to you for my namesake. Why? Because my namesake. Because they do not know the one whom sent me. The final reason that Jesus gives us for why hate comes our way is because they do not know God the Father. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and therefore they don't understand John fourteen six that says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me, and they'll try it. And all these other avenues through the seven rays of light, prayer, and all this other blah, 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 and through this meditation and all these little signs and symbols and all of this cultic stuff. Listen, there is but one way, one access, and it's through Jesus Christ. It, it's just that simple. He is not a good way. He is not the best way. He is emphatically the only way. There is no salvation. There is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name given, been given among men by which we must be saved apart from Jesus Christ. The reality is we need to be faithful. So maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling because you are in the crosshairs of hate. You're being persecuted. You're living this out. I'm not talking about persecution from do, for doing something dumb. I've said things that were inappropriate in my life that I got lashed back out on and beat up of, and that was my own stupidity. That, that's not what this is. This is talking about being persecuted for the sake of Christ. We, we like to find the devil under every rock. Some of it just because something came out your mouth that was in there that ought not be in there. Because what's in you will come out. Persecution for speaking about Jesus Christ being the only way into salvation, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what will get you killed, my friend. You'll talk to a Muslim. Tell them that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Go talk to a Mormon tell them their works won't save them, that Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. And tell them they don't worship the same Jesus because the Jesus we worship is the Alpha and the Omega. And He says in Revelation, I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. (laughs) Go tell the Jehovah's Witness that their good deeds and the watchtower society won't save them. Watch what happens. You, my friend, will be the target of hatred. But if you are not saying anything about Jesus, and you're just walking and meandering through life and you're making great money and you're building great stuff and you're building your own little kingdom and life is hunky-dory and the only thing you're worried about is don't die from COVID, then you are missing the point. You will die. And you will give an account for how you use your time, your talents, and your treasures. And my encouragement, I'm not angry, I'm just passionate. My encouragement is use it wisely. Because God could punch your time clock today. I might kill over before I get done with the sermon. Pick up right here, page 15. But the reality is this. Just as the enemy is engaging the target, so you and I should understand the marksmanship of the gospel. And you and I should be engaging the targets that are closest to us. My target ain't your target. And your target ain't my target. I can't find everybody's target that Jim Brown's got. He got people in his world, I don't even know who they are. Share the gospel. Jerry's world, I I don't know the people Jerry knows, but Jerry's got a world he lives in he can share the gospel. Scott Qualls has got a world he lives in that I don't live in. We all have a world that we live in and we need to understand the rules of engagement when it comes to marksmanship just like the enemy does so we ought to be engaging them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you're hurting and you're at the end of your rope, I want you to be reminded of what Adam read this morning. Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when people insult you. When people persecute you. When they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Again, this persecution isn't because you've done something inappropriate. And you're paying the consequences. That's simply you're reaping what you've sowed. Lashing out on anger at someone will, listen, usually come back at you. Persecution is being persecuted for the sake of Christ. Real persecution takes place. Listen, when your family rejects you, your mother and your father want nothing to do with you because now you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you've rejected the cult of, of Catholicism, you rejected the cult of Mormonism, you've rejected the cult of, of all of these false religions which we live in and they want nothing to do with you. That's real persecution. Real persecution takes place when you become a Christian, your husband and your wife are non-Christians, and now they want nothing to do with you because you love Jesus and they don't. Don't think it's a real problem? I promise you it is. Count the cost, my friends. Count the cost. Following Jesus isn't for sissies. Crosshair is on you. You are the target of hate. Blessed are you when your children hate you because of your love for Jesus. Blessed are you when they mock you and say all kinds of fault things against you because you're willing to stand in the groove and minister to the hearts of people. I got all kinds of people who hate me. I was in a chat with, I don't know, 7,000 people on Friday night. Do you know how much flack I took for that? But you know what? For all of that time, I was able to share the gospel to 7,000 souls. How many people understood it? And believe it? it's not my problem. But you better you better be willing to bet I'm willing to get in the game. I mean, I'm willing to go into the highways and byways. Let me preach in the Mormon church. I'm going to share the gospel. Let me preach at the kingdom hall. I'm going to preach the gospel. Let everybody bark and do everything they want. That's okay. God called me to, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Where are you engaging for the hope of Jesus? If you're here this morning, you've been falsely accused of things. That's all right. Blessed are you, my friend, if it's for the sake of Christ. Remember what Polycarp said? Hmm. Is he's being burned to death. Bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour. The culmination of faithful Christian living brought this man to a stake and a fire for his life. That I might share the cup of Christ Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow after me. You know, people wear these little crosses. That was a symbol of the worst, the worst way to die. It'd be like wearing an electric chair around your neck. Are we being persecuted for our faith? Don't hate them. Don't hate them. This is why I don't like to politicize the gospel, because when you politicize the gospel, you become an enemy of the one whom God has called you to save. Don't hate them, my friends. They are what? Under the bondage of Satan. And they need to be set free. And you have the gift of eternal life to tell them and to call them and to permeate their hearts. But listen, there is only one way. There is only one access code that will rescue them from the fiery furnace. There is only one method by which God has given to you and to me to redeem souls. And there is but one key that will open the gates of hell and snatch them from the devil's grip. And my friends, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can try to do it in this world through your political methodologies. You can try to do it through giving to the poor, by helping the needy. But listen to me, I plead with you. I beg with you. The world needs to hear that unless they put their faith in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial and resurrection, and that that was enough to seal your deal, they will die and go to hell and we will be called to the carpet on it. Because we haven't opened our mouth. Not me. I'm going to proclaim Jesus in the hilltops. And when I don't, God forgive me and give me another opportunity and press forward. Listen, I am passionate about the gospel. I might not be the greatest preacher and I might not be the greatest pastor, but I promise you, I love the gospel. And I understand emphatically that it is the only way people's hearts are changed. So if you're facing difficulties, know the reason for your hate is because Christ is in you. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's the reason for rejection. Now let's talk about, secondly, the rejection of the haters. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sins. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have not sinned. But now they have both seen me and hated me and my Father as well. But this happened to fulfill the Word that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. The heart of the hater, listen, is ultimately this rejection against Yahweh. It's a rejection against Almighty God. And I think it's important to note here what's important that what He's not saying. (laughs) So we can go ahead and clear up what is not being said here. And what is not being said here is that it would have been better that Jesus never come. So once we understand that it's not saying that it was better for Jesus not to come because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And because it says in Romans five twelve, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. So what? Death spread to all men because all have sinned. So this can't be what Jesus is talking about. So if this is what not Jesus is not talking about, then what is he saying? He first says, if they had not come, if he had not come, they would not have sin. And secondly, he says, now they have no excuse for their sins because I have come. The first statement, listen, does not claim that sin only became an issue at the arrival of Jesus. But rather, sin became most apparent at the arrival of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus coming in the form of man, living a perfect life, dying on a cross for our sins, rising again from the grave and ascending to the right hand of the Father has been the plan of redemption from the beginning and the foundations of the world. What I think is happening here in the text is a reminder of what we've seen in the synoptic Gospels. Those are the other Gospels that parallel these. Where Jesus' Galilean contemporaries are rebuked because of their lack of repentance in the face of everything that Jesus has done. And He tells them that they will face what a more severe judgment like the cities of Tyre and Sidon. And indeed worse punishment than Sodom. Matthew, 10, Matthew 11, 20-24 because of their wickedness and rejection. When He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, it's positively stated, now that Jesus has come, the world is guilty. This does not mean that the world would have been perfect if Jesus had not come. It was already here. Sin was already here. Sin was here from the garden onward. It is merely to stress the world's responsibility in rejecting the divine revelation bought by Jesus Christ. Listen, at the arrival of Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There was light that scattered the darkness. And all the sins started being revealed and come to light. The coming of Jesus, my friends, inaugurated. It revealed, it introduced judgment into the world. You know, the old saying is, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is Jesus is here. The bad news is Jesus is here. It just depends on which side of the line you're on. Some will rejoice and some will bow because they will be in absolute devastation when the return of Christ happens. Listen, the only unforgivable sin is the rejection against the Holy Spirit. And what has happened... As we see in Matthew 12, they are accused of what? Casting out demons in Beelzebub. By Beelzebub. That's what they accused Jesus of doing as He cast out demons. They accused Him of doing it by Beelzebub. They are attributing that His miraculous work was of Satan rather than of the Holy Spirit. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And so by the fact that they are rejecting the work and the Spirit of of God who is doing the work and claiming that it is the devil. They are very in that position rejecting the Holy Spirit, which is the unforgivable sin. So specifically, we need that reminder. Jesus says, He who hates me hates my Father also. There is no love of God if you hate Jesus because God the Father sent God the Son. This convoluted, mixture of false religions and Christianity is nauseating listen you can't love God if you don't love Jesus you can't say well Jesus was a good man no Jesus is either a liar a lunatic or he is Lord because if he is not Lord then he is a liar because he proclaimed to be God in flesh So this idea that you can worship all these one world religions and this, this religion and still get to heaven because all roads lead to God, that's the biggest lie that the enemy has ever sold to humanity. Now they're all trying to climb to the top of the mountain to get to God. Christianity says God came off the mountain and met us down here. He burst through that floor system of heaven and became a man that you and I might be set free. Then He reiterates again in the second aspect of what He's already said in the first, if I had not done among them, verse 24, the works which no one else did, they would not sin. But He did. (laughs) He did many, many, many miracles. And there are also many other things which Jesus did for which I guess if they were written, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that it would be written. If you remember in John 14, he makes this promise to His disciples that He's going away, He's preparing the place, he come again. And then He says, You have come to know Me. You will know My Father also. From now on you know Him and you see Him. And old Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough. And he, Jesus says, How can you say, show Me the Father? Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know Me? You say, show Me the Father. Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in Me? listen, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or believe because of the works themselves. They've rejected the very One whom God has sent. They're looking at Him in the flesh and they're rejecting all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders. Signs, miracles, wonders don't save people, my friends. Faith in Christ does. To all who believe, to none of them will be disappointed. They've rejected when they could have believed. John 15 24 says, But now, they have both seen and hated me and my father as well, but this happened to fulfill what the word of the law was written, or the, that the word that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. He's a quoting Psalm thirty-five nineteen. He's quoting Psalm 60, 69, verse four. Everything that D- Jesus did was good. So why in the world did they crucify him? Why did they kill him without cause? Why did they hate him without cause? He was called a criminal. Yet He was the Son of God. He was innocent. But that's what happens when you live like Romans 1. And God turns you over to a depraved mind when you suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They rejected the Savior of the world, my friends. They rejected the work of the Spirit. Because they rejected the Savior of the world, they hated those who did not reject. And they will hate you because you don't reject Him. And thus, everyone who is in Christ and Christ is in you, you will be the target of hate, my friend. So prepare yourself. Brace yourself. In this world, you will have troubles. We've seen the reason for the hate. We've seen the rejection of the haters. And lastly, we see the responsibility of the hated. He continues. He's going to offer us again for like a lot of times, the promise of the Spirit of God. He says when the Advocate comes, that's the Holy Spirit, which He's already promised in John 14. He says I, I'm, uh, the Father is going to send the, the Spirit of God, and He will bring to remembrance all I've said to you. Right? He says when the Advocate comes, and whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, Jesus is truth, the Word of God is truth, don't try to make that outside the Word of God true. This trumps the truth of our world. And we filter everything we see through this book. It's called a biblical worldview. And we define truth based off of the truth of God's word. He says, Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. I will send to you the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. And he will bear witness about me, and you will bear witness also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Listen, the Spirit of God, who indwells a believer, is testifying Himself about Christ, and you, who are in sealed in with the Spirit, is, uh, is one who is should be actively witnessing for Christ. Well, you know that you will be hated by those that have rejected, but it's also vitally important to understand our responsibility of the hated. As those who are hated by Christ, what's our response? Lash back out in anger? No. Never solves anything, does it? The reality is that God has promised you and I the Spirit that He sets us and seals us as believers until the day of redemption. But He calls us to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. For those who walk by the flesh fulfill the desires of the flesh, but He says these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do what you want to do. Now that's a paraphrased version of what it says. I didn't quote it directly, but that's what it says. The reality is is when we walk by the Spirit, we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so when we are Sought after with anger and wrath and those things. We, we need to pray for them. They, they, they are in the bondage of the, the devil, my friends. They need to be set free. They're caged up. We're told here that the Spirit of God, whom will He will send, will bear witness to Him. And we also will bear witness. First John 1. One to three gives an example of this, what we, what was from the beginning, that which we've heard, that which we've seen with our eyes, that which we've touched with our hands concerning the, the, the word of life, that the life was made manifest. And we have seen and we've heard and we bear witness and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. What we've seen, what we've heard, we proclaim to you also that you may also have Fellowship with us, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that you and I have a responsibility to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Because He has sent the Father, the Holy Spirit, to live within us, to live through us, to guide us and direct us, I promise you, we should be witnessing for Christ. We ought to be like them in Acts chapter 4. Because the Spirit lives in us, we ought to be able to face the persecution and the problems that come our way and still press on. We ought to be stoned and left for dead and get back up and go into the same city where they just stoned us for dead to proclaim Jesus Christ, the Gospel. I love what here in Acts 4 when they're called to shut their mouths about the Gospel. Listen, guys, it's coming down the pipe. I don't know when, maybe not in my lifetime. It sure has looked like it's picking up speed. They've passed that C4 bill in Canada that prevents any conversion therapy. Five years in prison if you tell someone they're not a man when they are a man. You, you can't try to, try to convert them. You can tell them that they're a woman when they're a man, but you can't tell them a man that they're a man when they're a man. That's illegal five years in prison how are we supposed to preach the Bible without going to jail if that's the case it's passed unanimously so next week I'm going to be preaching on sexual morality the biblical view of man and woman because they are going to be put in prison this week after they preach that message most likely and it's coming to America Nevertheless, here, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep preaching the truth. we got enough elders that I think we can kind of go through and maybe they can keep preaching until I get out of jail. And then when I come back, they can go to jail and we'll just keep it on a rotation. Right? We laugh, but you better prepare. They can't lock all of us up. But are we willing to die for the sake of Christ? Are we willing to imprison ourselves for the sake of Christ? Acts 4.20 says, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to hear you rather than God, you be the judge. We cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and we've heard. We will not stop. We will keep teaching truth. We will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We will call sin, sin. And we will call righteousness, righteousness. And if it hurts your feelings or steps on your toes, no, we love you. We care for you. We want you to understand what God's Word says is best. He created us. He knows what's best. And you and I, as the hated, have a responsibility to honor God and to be His witnesses throughout this life. I promise that you can come and sit down in this church, just on Sunday mornings, never even come Wednesday, and never be persecuted for your faith. But I want you to understand this. When you stand up for Jesus Christ, when you go and you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ into your communities, your area of impact, your closest target, you will be hated for the sake of Christ. And they will reject and they will mock you, and they will laugh at you. You young people are up against some things you will never think is possible. But know this, you are able to stand firm with Jesus Christ as your anchor, no matter how bad the storm gets. And then Jesus wraps up this section with a great reminder these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. Don't, don't be surprised when the fire your ordeals come, my friends. They're coming. Don't, don't be surprised. But make sure you're built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. They will put you out of the synagogues. You know, I get invited to preach funerals. And I go preach the gospel. And I never get invited back. But when I get to heaven and I stand before God. I'm going to give an account for what I say behind this pulpit. So if somebody wants to invite me to preach a a funeral, I'm grateful. But I'm going to preach the gospel and people ain't going to like it. But you know what? I've never been to a funeral where somebody's gone to hell. Ever. They all go to heaven. Matthew says the the way is narrow. So what is it? We want to feel good? No, I want people to know that this is real. This is the real deal. When I'm dead in a box right here or wherever, the man behind this pulpit, he better bring the heat of the gospel. Don't let my life end in vain. The gospel needs to be preached. And that's a Reality. They will put you out of the synagogues. Let them kick you out. Let them not invite you back. But an hour is coming, even worse so. For everyone who kills you will think that he is offering service to God. (laughs) They are. (laughs) They are. To the God of this world. To the devil. Not everybody's father is God. to, To all who believe he gave the right... To become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, which pre-assumes if you never trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a child of the devil, my friend. And you can take that as a, as an, you know, a rebuke or whatever. My, I, I want you to take it as encouragement, like, man, that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Because Jesus says He came that you might have life and have life abundant. He doesn't want you to go to hell, but He gives you the choice to choose whether you will or not. He's given you everything pertaining to life and to God. And he has sent His Son that you might believe the Gospel. Repent and be saved. But it's a free gift. and You must accept the free gift of salvation. But an hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he's doing an offering service to God. These things they will do because they ultimately, they do not know the Father or me. They don't know Christ. They don't know God the Father. They don't know God the Holy Spirit. But these things I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may be reminded that they that I told you of them. Listen, these things I did not say. He says to you at the beginning because I was with you. He's leaving. He's about to die. He's about to be crucified. I know we've been in John 14, 15 for quite some season, but I want you to know we. this is about to fast forward. This is like Thursday night. Chronologically speaking. He's saying these things knowing He's about to be crucified and turned over. Listen, I know That we are going to pay the ultimate price by the haters, by the rejecters. But nevertheless, Jesus went before us and shows us that death has been conquered. The worst thing they can do is the best thing they can do oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting to die is gain to live is christ so go today starting today don't forget forget what lies behind press forward to the goal of eyes ahead engage the target the rule of marksmanship the one closest to you with the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're here, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. What are you waiting on? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appropriate time because one day he will ring the bell and it will be too late. Let's pray. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.